Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We're going to go to the book of Daniel, chapter 10. We're launching a new series this morning entitled Fight Club. And whenever you say Fight Club, you have to take both fists, put them against your chest. Let's have a little practice right now, or you know, kind of near your front, and just say Fight Club, everybody. Let's do it on three. One, two, three, Fight Club. So uh, we're talking about Fight Club and I wanna talk to you today from a unique passage of Scripture in the Bible that gives us an insight into what is happening in the unseen realm, an unseen realm. Our characters in our passage of Scripture this morning, uh, Daniel, who's listed amongst the major prophets, and he was a, a young Hebrew boy who ended up serving in the, 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 the kind of uh, the, 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 the government circle of both the kingdoms of Babylon and then Persia. And he is having a conversation with the archangel Gabriel. Let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. Then he, that's Gabriel's, Continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. From the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Anybody grateful that God hears us when we pray? But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, another of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to you uh, to, to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So in our passage of Scripture, we've got Daniel conversing with the archangel Gabriel. And the Bible tells us that Daniel reached the point where he began to fast and he began to pray. And the Bible says the moment Daniel began to fast and he began to pray that his words were heard in heaven. I, don't, I want you to know at the outset of the series, firstly, that when you pray, God always hears you. He always hears you. He doesn't always answer the way we want Him to, but He always hears our prayers when we come to Him. Then the Bible says that in response to Daniel's prayers, that the archangel Gabriel was sent to bring a response. But when he got to the Persian kingdom, the Bible says that the prince of Persia resisted him. Not talking about a natural prince, it's a reference to a principality over the Persian kingdom. And the Bible is saying that when the archangel got there, he had to engage in a spiritual fight. So we've got Daniel fasting and praying for 21 days. And as he is fasting and praying for three weeks, there is not just a, a natural environment and a person of prayer, but there is a spiritual fight that is taking place as a result of the prayers that Daniel is praying. Then Gabriel says, well, you know, the battle was so intense that the other archangel, Michael, had to come and help me and we got victory. God always has the victory. And now I have come in response to your prayers. As far as I know, this is a unique passage of Scripture in the Bible because it goes into great detail describing for us that while we live in a natural world, there is a supernatural fight that we are all, whether we wanna be engaged in it or not, 
we are all engaged in. And the Bible is saying to you and me through this passage of Scripture that we must be aware of the fight that is out there. And I believe we must engage in the fight so that as believers, the fight is not lost, but the fight is victorious. In fact, let me say it to you this way, God wants His people to fight. Not fight with weapons, but to fight against the spiritual forces that are in our world to bring God's victory and God's will into a fallen world. In, in Galatians chapter, sorry, Ephesians chapter six and in verse 12, the Bible says, we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It couldn't get more clearer than that. We are not engaged in a natural fight, but we are engaged in a fight. And the fight is against spiritual forces of wickedness that are trying to bring destruction to the world in which we live and the lives of people and to prevent the will of God. But I am so excited that we are not just the people engaged in a spiritual fight that we are going to lose, but we are engaged in a spiritual fight where we are guaranteed the win guaranteed the win. When the revelation of Jesus comes to your life, my friend, then Matthew 18, 19 applies to, sorry, 16, 19 applies to you as well. When Jesus said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenly realm and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Have you ever stopped to consider the incredible power of your prayer? That when you and I pray, we can bring God's will into a world where His will is most often not done. We live in a world where it is not God's will that any person is sick, that any person ever feels rejected. Let's come up to another level. God doesn't want anybody to be in slavery. God is not in favor of famine. God doesn't want any person to ever feel like their life is worthless. Yet we live in a world where bad things do take place. But, but, and it's a big but, when Christians begin to engage in prayer and in fasting, we can break the poor forces that come against the will of God and we can change situations and circumstances by bringing the will of God to the environment in which we live. Daniel engaged in 21 days of prayer and fasting and the Bible is abundantly clear that because he did, he was able to bring a measure of victory to a situation. And I believe that if we as God's people can all engage in God's desire, which is that we become part of the fight club. Don't roll over and let the devil have a field day, but we take it back to the forces of this world and declare that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Does anybody believe that? that we can bring victory, victory, and God's will to the world in which we live. In fact, um, as a church, you know, this year has been an incredible year for Arise. For, um, you know, building the Arise Center, lots of hut people out there. Anybody excited about the, the, the new hut campus in 2017? Looking forward to meeting Monday week 
with all of our church leaders in every age group from uh, the Hutt Valley at the Silver Dream Retreat Center. We're gonna have an amazing time talking about where we're gonna be going as we launch a campus in the Hutt. I know it's gonna be so exciting for so many people. We've got some big announcements that we wanna let every leader know first and then we'll be taking it to all the church. But the truth is that from the moment we broke ground on the Arise Center, it has been like ding, ding, and then all the forces of hell feels like have come against the progress of our church. And yet in the face of it, we have progressed mightily and seen another year of great growth and God's blessing on every front. Yet, you know, 10 days later, I got hit by a car. We've had people go through deep troubles. We've had many, many of our own staff getting very sick and challenges and circumstances. And I guess natural things do happen, right? But when you lump it all together, you say, This is not a natural proportion of challenges. And I believe that we are gaining victory. God has already won the victory, but we have to walk out that victory sometimes with all the forces of hell trying to come against us. Now listen, I've been doing this for a while. Let me give you all some reassurance. Things look like the end of the world many times when you're a Christian, but, but, I'm telling you what, you'll watch them come at you one way and fall a thousand ways. If you'll just stand, you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Does anybody believe that that is the truth of God's Word? And I do believe and with all my heart that we can alter things as believers when we join the fight club and bring God's victory to the world in which we live. So as we start into 2017, we're gonna join the Fight Club together as a church for three weeks in February. We're gonna have three weeks of prayer and fasting as a church and believe that together we can launch into this coming year and see the greatest expansion and increase and favour that God's ever placed over our church ever as we launch into this coming year. Are you, you believe that might be possible? We're gonna believe for every person in our church, for you, my friend, that God's gonna bring His abundant blessing, a miracle for each of us. We're gonna pray and declare that when God's people do fast and pray, that God hears, we gain victory, and His will comes to earth. Do you believe that? In fact, when Jesus uh, was addressing this topic, um, The Bible tells us one time that Jesus climbed a mountain that we know is the Mount of Transfiguration. But for those who maybe knew, he climbed this mountain and he he, he was in a season of prayer. And he, he, he took three of the disciples up there with him. And, you know, as a leader, I understand that when you take your top circle and you you know, kind of take them off to a retreat location. That's what Jesus is doing, that while the cat's away, the mouse will play, you know, and, and the other nine disciples are kind of like down there and a little bit leaderless and left to themselves. And while they're in their, their kind of state, the Bible says that this dad rolls up and he's got a son who has seizures and the seizures are caused by a demon. I'm not saying every seizure is, but in this instance, it was. And so uh, the father says, can you drive the demon out? And like, like a lot of young leaders, you know, the disciples are like, well, of course, of course we can. You know, like, who do you think we are? We are the 12 disciples, you know. If you've got something weird in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? 
you know, you're going to call the 12 disciples. You know what I'm talking about? And so then, then uh, they're like, yeah, let's get this party started. So then they, the boy comes out and they have a crack at praying for him and driving out the demon and they are entirely unsuccessful. And I love religious people in moments like that because they've always got a reason why not. So the Pharisees are like, oh, I told you so, you know, like there's always a doubter, always a cynic. I wanna be on the side of the person having a crack, you know? And then Jesus comes down, He sees all the commotion and the, the, the situation quickly is kind of brought to a state of order and, and they, they present Jesus with the problem and this is Jesus' response. He says in Matthew 17, 17, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now we know, just to clarify, that the very next thing Jesus did was He healed that boy. And that is the heartbeat of our God, amen? But in, in, the, in the setup of the scenario, when Jesus is pre- presented with a demonic force that is not being driven out, when Jesus is being presented with a, a conundrum where people are like, we can't get the demon to shift. His first instinct is to say, you are unbelieving and you are perverse. Not, not very encouraging words, you know. I'm not gonna ask you to say that to the person next to you or anything like that today. But he says, you are unbelieving and you are perverse. The first thing he's saying is, you are unbelieving. In other words, you're not connected enough to God. That's what he's saying. You you don't have a full measure of faith active in your life. You're not connected enough to God. And then the second thing he says is you are perverse. In other words, you are too connected to the world. You're not connected enough to God and you are too connected to the world and that's why you can't bring victory in the heavenly realm. So then he heals the boy, then the crowd disperses, everybody goes home. Then the disciples, you know, this is often how you grow, by the way. God asks you to do something, you have a crack. It doesn't always go well the first time, but then you've got lots and lots of questions on how I can improve so I don't totally stuff it up next time. Anybody got in a heaven experience like that? Yeah, and nothing worse, by the way, than having expectation put on you to do something supernatural and it doesn't go right. It's just always a tough day at the office. And and I felt that pressure many, many times. And so then along come the disciples and they're like, Jesus, how come it worked for you when it didn't work for us? And Jesus said in Mark's Gospel 9 verse 29, He said, this kind cannot come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. He said, if you wanna go from unbelieving and perverse, not connected enough to God and too connected to the world, then choose prayer because prayer will connect you more to God and fasting because fasting will disconnect you from the world. He's saying, I've given you the problem and I've given you the answer. If you want greater spiritual authority, if you want your fight club to go from featherweight to heavyweight, if you wanna go from loser to winner, then God is literally saying, hey, it's not a burden, it's it's a solution. 
It's not gonna take from you, it's going to give to you. Engage in prayer and fasting because it's gonna make you more able to bring God's victory to every situation that you face. And as Christians, whether we want to or not, we are engaged in a spiritual fight. If we wanna see revival in New Zealand, if we wanna see God's will come to our land, if we're believing for our lives to fulfill the maximum potential that God has for them, then we gotta join the fight club through prayer and through fasting. Get more connected to God and get less connected to the world. Even Jesus, when He started His ministry, began by 40 days of prayer and fasting. And my friend, for you and for me, this is a powerful solution for us in our lives. We, we need to engage in prayer and fasting so that we can get more connected to God and less connected to the world. You're taught from the time that you're, you're just starting your cognitive process to accept natural solutions, to live within the confines of what's given to you. Yet our Bible does not teach us to live our lives like that. Don't accept the demon and the boy. Don't accept the situations of your life. Don't accept the limits of your background. There's no generational curse that's gonna define your future. You're not gonna walk into a future that's already laid out for disaster and demise. Absolutely not. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And when we disconnect from the world through fasting and connect with God through prayer, then my friend, the prayers that a person prays are mighty through God. We can tear down strongholds, break conditions. Elijah was a man just like you and me, but he prayed and he brought fire from heaven into the three-year drought and we can change circumstances, we can bring God's will, we can alter environments, you can change your future and alter your present when the will of God begins to be outworked. And I just want everyone to shout aloud amen because I believe that that might help somebody here today. I, I start every morning, oh, well, that's not true. I start most mornings. At about 5.30, I love it, my favorite time of the day, 5.30 till 7 a.m. I get up every day normally about 5.30. First thing I do is boil the jug and it's gonna shock a lot of people out there, but I have an instant coffee. <laughs> you might be thinking, why would you do that? Well, it's because I have a 10-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter and the coffee machine on my makes too much noise and then they'll be awake and to be honest, I just like to commune with God before I'm forced to commune with them. Can I just be that honest with you? I, I made that cup of coffee and then I grab my iPhone and on my iPhone I use reminders to form a prayer list and on my prayer list I have different things that I'm praying for every single day. I pray for every leader in our church, every business person in our church. I pray for every campus. I pray for our staff. I pray for our nation. I pray for any serious prayer things that have come up in the life of our church, especially all the children that have got serious health needs, pray over those every single morning. And I tell you what, it is amazing when you put your life in a position and a posture of prayer. I'm adding new things every week to my reminders list, but for the last three weeks, my reminders list has been getting smaller, not bigger, because when you start to pray, my friend, you're never gonna pray to God without Him wanting to answer you. And when people begin to pray, something changes, healing comes, miracles do take place. Our God is a miracle, wonder-working God. And if you believe it, I think you should praise Him just a little bit more than that. Prayer, 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 prayer. 
Man, when you read the Bible, it's like if you've got a problem, pray. Got a situation, pray. Having a good day, pray. Having a bad day, pray. Whenever God's people begin to pray, they bring the will and the power of God to bear in every situation and every difficulty. And I believe God wants His people, listen, we're gonna live in the world. I'm not saying you should drop your iPhone on the ground and smash it, but the best thing you can do in your life is disconnect from the world and connect more to God because when a life is filled with prayer and fasting, it becomes a supernaturally empowered life that can see God do something absolutely amazing. Don't submit to situations. Don't give in to things being the way they are, fait accompli because of pressures in your life. Man, when we begin to fast and pray, we can change what the script is serving up. We can alter circumstances. We can change the report card. Our God is a mighty miracle working God. If you believe it, shout it out, amen. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we've got an amazing passage of Scripture where the king of Israel is in a city called Samaria and outside the walls of the city, the king of Ammon has set up his army and laid siege to the city. And the city has been under siege for so long that there is no food left in the city. And literally the king is presented by two mothers who are having a conversation with him about which of their children they are going to eat. And the Bible tells us that in the middle of this horrible situation that the king is so grieved by hearing the mother's desperation that he rips his clothes and underneath his clothes, we discover that this king have been fasting and praying. He's wearing sackcloth, revealing, not a fast that's done for, to impress people. He's not trying to put it out there, three days now, team, I'm really Christian. But he's just been fasting and praying and keeping his life with God, a thing that is private. And that'll bring you the greatest blessing, by the way. And here he is, fasting and praying and fasting and praying. And Elisha the prophet doesn't even like this king. Yet the Bible says that at the moment when his prayerful state is revealed, that Elisha, who is at that moment saying nasty things about the king, has God tap him on the head, turn his gaze towards the fasting, praying king who has been immoral for most of his life. And Elisha comes with a word. 2 Kings 7 verse one, about this time tomorrow, a seer of flour will be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley will be sold for a shekel at the gate of the city. That means two things. Number one, that the gates of the city that have been under siege will now be open. Blocked things will be released. Obstacles that have said that they will limit, trap, enslave and take you down will move and open before the mighty hand of God. And what looked like it would never happen, provision, abundance, blessing, what looks right now like it's never gonna jump into your lap is gonna be in your life about this time tomorrow. Is anybody grateful for a God who in one calendar day can reverse every situation? He is Jehovah Jireh, right? He is the Lord Almighty, right? He's not Jehovah stingy and the God of just a little bit of benevolence and grace. He is the God of abundant power, able to do whatever He wants to do. 
and the king was fasting, the king was praying, and the prophet prophesied it. And a, and a high leader standing next to the king at that moment, one of the generals said, even if God opened up the windows of heaven, that would not be possible. Yet at the same time, this conversation is taking place. Four lepers are outside the city gate. They have an infectious terminal disease and they are literally saying to one another, no one's throwing crumbs of bread over the city wall anymore. We could either stay here and die or we could have a crack at doing something. We could go Go over to the camp of the Arminians and I want you to know, by the way, that God will never reward people who just sit down and just accept things as being the end. He loves action. He loves us getting up and just having a crack. Give God the chance to do something great. And so these lepers get up and the Bible says, as the last rays of sun are fading into the distance and the hue is covering the earth of a sunset at dusk, these men began to walk over the camp of the Arminians and somehow God took their footsteps, multiplied them through a valley perhaps and caused it to resound in the camp of the Arminians. And as they heard the sound of four lepers, they thought that Israel had hired an entire army to come and take them down and they fled their camp, leaving supplies and money and food and weapons and went back to their own hometown. And a praying, fasting king saw a miracle so great that the very next day, the gates of the city are opened. They've got weapons, money, and food in abundance. And I believe that when God's people begin to fast and pray, they refuse to accept status quo as it is that we can bring God's will even into the darkest and deepest of situations. Do you believe that today? I believe God's looking for somebody that's gonna seek His face in prayer and fasting. <laughs> this is a funny message, right? Because the deeper we get into it, the more you're like, that is really good. And I absolutely don't want to apply it to my life. <laughs> you know, this church, we only got where we are today because of prayer and fasting. That's the, that's the absolute truth. Before we even started Arise, weeks and weeks and months of praying and fasting and believing God for this, this, this church, you know, to get going, disconnecting from the world, connecting more to God. Then in 2008, we moved to the Amora Hotel, which is straight across the street. The only the venue we've been having before that one was the Paramount Theater on uh, Courtney Place. We used to have to do the morning services, pack everything down. They would play movies, then we would pack back in. Always interesting having church after an R18 movie, you know what I'm saying? And we, we needed more services. All the services were packed out, 90% plus in attendance and all of the services. We needed a bigger building. We got the Amora Hotel, we were pumped, we moved in there. And then after we'd been in there for only about eight or 10 weeks, the general manager asked to see me and I sat down with him and he said, you've got 12 weeks and then you're out of here. Well, the problem was we knew Wellington. We knew there was nowhere else to go. We'd already tried to get the Michael Fowler Center. That was a closed door. We knew that, the, that we could possibly go back to the Paramount, but that meant accepting a lid over our church. We weren't able to run any more services there. And we're like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? From the moment I left that room, I just began to fast and I began to pray. 
Just seek God, seek God, seek God. Well, about three weeks in to this desperate time and our leadership kind of knew about it and we're just fasting and praying and believing God for a miracle, but the weeks are counting down, 12, 11, 10, 9. We're just believing God for a miracle. And one day I was talking to somebody and they said, you should go and see so-and-so. So I went and saw them. They were a minister of parliament at the time. And he said, what do you want? And I said, one thing, I need a venue for our church. We need something and we've got nothing right now. And he liked us, he was a fan. So he said, call this other person. And I called them. And when I called the, the person's phone, they said, how did you get my number? And I said, so-and-so gave it to me. Straight away, name dropping, gets you a lot of places. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I went to see him the next day and he was in charge of the Michael Fowler Center, the TSB Arena and a couple of other buildings, the, the town hall before it closed. And he said to me, what do you want? And I said, I guarantee you, there's probably not many Sundays in the year when all of the buildings you manage are being used. We want the empty one. Whatever one's not being used on a Sunday, we'd like it to use for our church. And I said, I, 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 I'd love you to have a look and see right now if you normally fill each one of your higher venues on a Sunday. So he called in his receptionist, Laura was there, Grantham. He pulls out this big sheet and she's having a look at, at all the weeks. And sure enough, there was hardly any weeks where all of the venues that he managed were free. And he was doing a little bit of maths in his head. I can tell you that right now, as he's thinking about all the Sundays populated with a hire from Arise Church. Well, long story brought short, about eight weeks later, we moved in here. We still don't know to this day where we'll be, I think either five or seven weeks from now. It always is just a miracle in motion. But from 2008 to 2016, our church since we moved in here has just gone in a great trajectory of growth. It's a testament to New Zealand that we're now having church in the largest indoor venue in the city. It is something that has put our church right there square on the map. And I want you to know that it didn't come out of everything going great. It came out of exactly the opposite. 12 weeks and then the end, my friend. But in the middle of all that, when God's people begin to fast and pray, God does the most remarkable things. And let me exhort you today that when you begin to lift your voice and your prayer towards God, disconnect from the world through fasting and connect more to God through prayer, then you'll witness faith coming alive in your heart, a greater confidence in God. And most importantly, miracles can and they do and they will happen on behalf of people that have joined the fight club. Have I got any fighters out there this morning? Come on, I believe, I believe, I believe that God wants to take us into a season where we see the miracles of God. I believe with all my heart that 2017 is going to be the greatest year that our church has ever had. I'm believing that you've ever had. We're gonna make a great difference for God. We're gonna see thousands of people come to faith in Christ. And in the middle of all that, I believe that if God's people can be awakened to prayer and to fasting, that we can open up the heavens, give God's power a freedom to, begin, to come and begin to move. And let's declare over Wellington that Jesus is alive. Let's declare over New Zealand that our God is great. Let's see miracles of provision and blessing and healing. And let's let the name of Jesus be lifted high. Are you with me today? Come on, are you with me? It's a, <laughs> it's a fun topic, isn't it? I believe, I believe that the greatest thing we can do in our lives is to, is to connect to God through prayer.
and disconnect from the world through fasting. Because as we become spiritually powerful people, we begin to dominate the attack of the devil. And friends, together we can see God's will outworked in our lives. And I believe, I believe that we're stepping into an amazing season. It's been a tough week, right? For a bunch of people. But I believe that our God is greater than every setback and challenge. And God didn't put you here. And He didn't put me here so that we could fatalistically submit to the suffering and difficulties of our world. He put us here as believers. Believers, not unbelievers, are believers. So that we could testify that our God is bigger and greater and more powerful. And we could see the will of God outworked. We could be a testimony of people who shine brightly with life and hope and freedom. Are you with me today? Come on, let's give God some praise. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.